Section 20 of Birds in Nature, Volume 12, Number 3, October 1902. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Seidel. Section 20, Some Snails of the Ocean. The marine snails outnumber all the other mollusks, and their shells are far more beautiful, those in the tropics having the most gaudy colors imaginable. The animals are all formed on the same plan, although each family has some peculiarity not shared by its relatives. They are found in all parts of the world and in all climates. While the majority of species live either between the tides, on, near low water, there are not a few which live in the abysses of the ocean and have been dredged at a depth of 3,000 fathoms, a distance of over three miles. The average depth at which mollusks are found in any number is about 1,000 fathoms. The variability of marine snails is so great that only a few typical forms can be mentioned. The limpet, or patella, is a familiar mollusk to many visitors at the seashore. The shell is a depressed, conical, oval disc, looking not unlike a miniature shield. They live on rocks to which they tenaciously cling. Some experiments, which were made on the English limpet several years ago, showed that they could sustain a weight of 30 pounds attached to their shell without being pulled from the rock. The animal seems to have a pretty clear idea of local geography for it invariably returns to the same place after its excursions for food, and the rock in some localities has been hollowed out to a considerable depth by the continuous dwelling thereon of the limpet. If the surface of the rock is uneven, the shell grows in such a manner as to fit these inequalities. While grazing along the sides of a rock covered with fine seaweed, it will leave a track like a worm and will clear off quite an area in a very short space of time. This track is made by the radula, which is very long and is thrust out and loaded with food which it carries to the mouth. When at rest, the radula is coiled like a watch spring. On the British coast, the limpet is used as an article of food, and primitive man not only ate the mollusk, but made a necklace by stringing the shells together. There are several hundred species of limpet-like shells, and they are found in all parts of the world, especially on rocky shores. A family of shells closely related to the limpets is the Fissurellidae, or keyhole limpet, distinguished from the last family by having a slit, a foramen, in the apex of the shell through which waste products of digestion are discharged. This slit resembles a keyhole, and for this reason they are called the keyhole limpets. The shells of Fissurella are generally rougher than those of Patella, and they live as a rule in warmer seas. In habits, the keyhole limpet resembles a limpet, living in one rocky place and making excursions for food. In the young shell, the spire is without a perforation, disappearing as the shell increases in age. There are over 100 species of keyhole limpets, several handsome species of which inhabit Florida and the West Indies. 
The haliotis, or abalone shells, abound in many parts of the world and are widely known for their beauty. The largest and finest shells live on the coast of California, where they attain a length of 10 inches. The shells are flat, though made in the form of a spiral, and are perforated near the edge of the last whorl, which is many times the size of all the rest combined. And through this perforation, the water from the gills, together with the waste products of the animal, are poured out. As the shell increases in size, the old holes are filled up and new ones are formed. The inside of the shell is resplendent with iridescent colors, particularly about the region of the huge muscle scar. And when the outside is polished, they become objects fit for the palace of a king. A large part of the mother of pearl is furnished by these shells, and a vast number are annually exported for the purpose of making pearl buttons. In England, they are called armors, but the correct name, if we translate the generic title, is sea ear or ear shells. To the Chinese, the abalone is an object of great economic importance, and they gather them in large quantities, dry the animals, and use them as food, principally in the form of soup, which is said to be very delicious. The abalone clings to the rocks with terrible power, and many a lonely fisherman has been drowned while gathering this mollusk by getting his fingers caught between the shell and the rock. There are three families of shells which are much sought after by conchologists. These are the top shells, trochidae, the turban shells, turbinidae, and the pheasant shells, thasionellidae. Altogether, they embrace nearly 500 species which live from the shore between tides to the lowest depths of the ocean. The shells of the top shells vary to a wonderful degree. Some are large, others small. Some are perfectly plain and smooth, while others are ornamented by impressed lines, ribs, and granules. Some are very thin and delicate, while others are large and massive. Many of the species are richly colored with brown, purple, black, green, and yellowish, and all are more or less pearly. They are all vegetable eaters. One of the best known is Trochus niloticus, a large massive shell striped with brown, which is seen on the mantle of many households. One of the prettiest top shells is the ringed top shell. Calistoma annulatum, found abundantly in some parts of California. The surface is marked by several rows of delicate points, and the suture is bordered by a rich line of purple. It lives in the seaweed offshore and may be seen in pleasant weather crawling about among the weeds. During storms or rough weather, this frail mollusk sinks to the bottom of the sea. The top shells inhabit many parts of the world the coasts of Florida and California producing several very handsome and interesting species. The turban shells include many fine and large shells, a notable species being Turbo marmoratus, the green turban of the dealers. This shell is about seven inches in diameter, rich green outside and pearly inside. It is largely used for mother-of-pearl work and for making pearl buttons. It is said that the early Scandinavian monarchs used the shell as a drinking cup. 
At the present time, it is used for ornamental purposes, richly mounted. In Japan, the animal is used for making chop suey, being cut in little dice-like pieces. The pheasant shells are beautifully variegated with red, black, white, and brown, and are very interesting animals to study alive. When crawling, the left side of the foot moves forward while the right remains stationary, and when the right side moves, the left remains stationary. This curious mode of progression has been likened to the canter of a horse. The larger species with beautifully variegated shells inhabit Australia, while the smaller species live in the Mediterranean Sea, South Africa, the West Indies, and California. The Neritas are very abundant in tropical and semi-tropical countries where they live on rocks and stones near the low water mark. They are said to be nocturnal and spend the night feeding on seaweed. The shell of the Narita is solid and heavy and variously ornamented with ribs, pustules, and color patterns. The bleeding tooth shell, Narita peleranta, so named from the presence of a red spot near one of the columella teeth, is a typical member of this genus. A species living in the Philippine Islands is said to climb trees to a considerable height. The family Cerithidae comprises some very handsome shells which inhabit salt, brackish, and fresh water. They are found throughout the world, but the finest species live in the tropics. The spire is very long and is composed of many whorls. Some cells are smooth and polished, while others are marked by frills, knobs, spines, and ribs. The name Cerithium is from the Greek word serration, meaning a small horn, and is used because the horn-like shapes of the shell. This family has its giants and also its pygmies, the latter being pretty reticulated shells from one-fourth to three-fourths of an inch in length living among the eelgrass and other vegetation along the shores. There are over a hundred species of these small shells, and some, when handled, discharge a bright green fluid. Whoever visits the seashore is bound to become intimately acquainted with the bitterinas or periwinkles, for they cover the rocky shores everywhere, millions of their rounded shells clinging to the rocks when the tide goes out. They feed on the algae which grows on the shore. They are found in both brackish and fresh water. The common periwinkle, Litterina litteria, is extremely abundant on the shores of southern Europe and the northern part of the United States. In England, it is used as an article of food and is said that nearly 2,000 tons are gathered annually and that 1,000 persons are employed in capturing it. In London and other large cities, they are sold on the street, the animal being picked out with a pin. It is used for bait in some of the fisheries, and the oystermen plant many bushels on their oyster beds yearly to keep the seaweeds from accumulating. From these facts, it will appear that this periwinkle is of considerable economic importance. All of the species are amphibious, living for a long time out of water. Of all the gastropods, none excel the curious Xenophora in point of oddity. The shell is in general form like that of the top shell, 
but as it grows it attaches itself to small stones and pieces of shell so that when the animal is fully grown it looks like a heap of dead shells and pebbles this habit is in all probability to conceal the animal from its enemies they are called carriers and the individuals with shells attached to their house are called conchologists while those with stones attached are called mineralogists the fragments of shells are attached with concave sides upward so as not to impede the animal during locomotion the carriers are not able to glide like other mollusks their feet being very small they progress by lifting the front part of the foot to an object and drawing the hind part toward it in this way they jump or scramble along in a ludicrous manner related to the carriers are the slipper shells crepidula the horse hoof shell hipponyx and the bonnet limpet capulus the slipper shells are found in many parts of the world and are particularly abundant on the atlantic and pacific shores of the united states the shell is flat and somewhat limpet like and across one end near the apex is a little shelf which gives it the appearance of a chinese slipper they adhere to stones shells crabs and any submerged object and modify the form of their shell to fit the inequalities of their resting place thus a carpidula on a pectin shell will be ribbed while the same species on a stone will be perfectly smooth frequently they may be seen piled one on another in tiers of six or more the animal generally feeds on seaweed but it's been known to eat other mollusks the bonnet limpets also belong to this family as do the cup and saucer limpets calyptrea the family strombidae contains many large and interesting shells the animal is very powerful and is able to leap a considerable distance Mr. Arthur Adams, a celebrated conchologist, thus describes its method of leaping, quote, "planting firmly its powerful narrow operculum against any resisting surface. It insinuates it under the edge of its shell and by a vigorous effort throwing itself forwards, carrying its great heavy shell with it, the animal rolls along in a series of jumps in a most singular and grotesque manner." End quote. The eyes of the animal are greatly developed. The shells of Strombus vary greatly in form and color. In some, the outer lip is simply turned over, while in others it is modified by little spines or projections. The aperture is frequently colored pink, purple, or yellowish. The large Strombus gigas is used in carving cameos, shell being made up of several layers of different colors. It is also ground to powder for the manufacture of porcelain, and in the West Indies, the animal is used as an article of food. The auger, or steeple shells, belonging to the family Terebridae, have long been objects of interest not only to the naturalist, but to the layman, who places them in his house as ornaments. There are about 200 species which are found in many parts of the world although chiefly confined to tropical seas. The shells are very long and are composed of many tightly wound whorls, which are smooth in some species, 
and longitudinally ribbed in others. They vary also in color, being yellowish, grayish, or brownish, and many species are spotted with red or white. A group of handsome mollusks live in the tropics whose shells have been named Mitra by the naturalist Lamarck from their fancied resemblance to the Pope's mitre. The shells are fusiform, very thick and heavy, and beautifully ornamented with various colors. The surface of the shells of some species is smooth, others granulose, and not a few spirally lined and longitudinally ribbed, while the columella is marked by several heavy plates or folds. There are about 200 species of this genus living in all parts of the world, but being more numerous in tropical regions. The Philippine Islands seem to be the metropolis of this mollusk, as of others, and their shores fairly teem with the graceful creatures. Some of them live among the coral reefs, concealing themselves in holes or among the seaweeds or under stones. Others live on in the sandy or muddy beaches in which they bury themselves when the tide recedes. The earlier naturalists were fond of applying significant names to the shells which they described, and the mitras have received their share. Thus we have the Episcopal mitre, having a white shell with the brilliant red spots and flame, the Papal mitre with a brown spotted white shell, the Pontifical mitre with a red spotted shell and a coronated spire, and lastly the Cardinal's mitre. These four species might be called the ecclesiastical quartet. The harp shells, though few in species, are among the most showy of the marine snails. The shells are large and marked by many elevated ribs, extending longitudinally, giving the effect of the strings on a harp, hence the name of the genus. The colors are different shades of brown, which form neat festoons of dark brown lines between the ribs. The inner lip of the shell is marked by a dark brown spot, and another spot is frequently developed near the upper part of the whorl. In one species, Harpa rosea, the shell is marked by several rosy spots and tints, and is very beautiful. The animal of this genus is no less interesting than the shell, being variegated with many beautiful colors. The foot is long, crescent-shaped in front, and becomes narrowed to a point behind. The animal is said to voluntarily break off a piece of its shell when irritated, as it is not able to retreat within the shell, being destitute of an operculum. It is very active and crawls about with an easy, graceful motion. Harpa lives only in the tropics and is found in the Indian and Pacific Oceans and on the west coast of America. The bubble shells include within their number many curious and interesting animals. The typical genus, Bula, numbers some 50 species of smooth globular shells, frequently modeled like a bird's egg. The aperture is as long as the shell and the outer lip is thin and sharp. The animal is large and fleshy and partly envelops the shell. The bubble shells love sandy mud flats in which they bury themselves or find concealment under masses of seaweed. 
like many land shells, they exude vast quantities of mucus to moisten their skin when the tide is out. These animals are carnivorous, living on bivalves and snails, which are swallowed whole and reduced to fragments by the huge calcareous gizzard. Not all the mollusks of this order have true shells. The so-called sea hares have large, flabby bodies in which is lodged a small, oblong, transparent shell. This animal lives among the seaweed, feeding upon the weed as well as upon mollusks and other animals. It discharges a violet liquid when handled, which caused the ancients to believe that it was poisonous. The old Greek philosophers wrote a great deal on this subject, believing that to even touch the animal with a stick would cause death. Though repulsive-looking creatures, they are perfectly harmless and are even eaten raw by the natives of the Friendly and Society Islands. Frank Collins Baker End of Section 20 Recording by Stephen Seidel